Hi, this is Kevin Can. We're on episode two of Boston Strongcast. Today we're going to discuss what entails a successful meet. And with us today we have the one and only CJ Murphy from Total Performance Sports, better known as Murph. Yeah, I figured I'd jump on this podcast because I listened to Kevin for half an hour last time. And as much as I like him, I had to throw some fucking life into this thing. All right, well... He was all science and serious. So as you can see, Murph's an asshole. Sucks. But he's got some good insight, and he's been doing this for a long time, so... Uh, and we do things a little bit differently, so I think it'll be good to get the best of both worlds here. So the things we're going to actually discuss, it's going to be everything. So there's a lot of stuff when you go on the internet, uh, Googling how to have a successful meet. It's all for beginners. But I just came back from Raw Nationals, and I saw some crazy stuff happening in that warm-up room that, like, you literally... You couldn't even believe so, for example, Danielle Bond was lifting on Saturday. Lifting started at 8 a.m. There was one girl on one of the platforms who started warming up at 7 a.m. At 7.15, there was 308 pounds on the bar, and she took what looked like a third attempt squat 45 minutes before the meet started. And this is obviously not her first meet because you had to qualify to get here. So hopefully some of the stuff we can give you today will help better prepare you for these situations. So, Kev, not to be Captain Topper, but I've seen some shit in the warm-up rooms that you can't imagine. I was at a national level meet in Texas, uh, national championships in Texas. Uh, I don't know how long ago. I think it was an FPF Nationals. Uh, and I saw a fairly famous lifter miss their second attempt. And I saw their coach scream at them and drag them in the warm-up room and berate them and make them take their second attempt a few times before they went out for their third well, you got to be prepared, right? I fucking guess so. <laughs> I guess so. I could tell you a million stories, but there's some bizarre things that go on. And, you know, that's, that's a good lead way into one of these topics. So one of the things that I noticed back in that warm-up room was there's a lot of coaching happening that you would see in the gym. So on meet day, their technique, it is what it is. It is what it is. You can't, you can't fix it. Nope. If you do, you run the risk of missing a lift. So there shouldn't be so much coaching going on that you're trying to tell them to keep their knees up, their chest up. At this point, it's time for them to display what they've been practicing and training all along. Do you agree? Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I think that when you're at the meet, um, there's nothing that you're going to say or nothing that you're going to do for a lifter technique-wise that's going to make them perform any differently unless they're a mental basket case and they're just doing something glaringly wrong that they've never done before. Um, I think what you need to do is is you should know your athletes by the time you get to the meet and know how to handle them when they get there. So um, I'll use myself as an example. I don't want anybody to fucking talk to me, right? All I want is the person handling me to say, you're three out, wrap my knees, and tell me it's time to go. Adjust my suit, adjust my shirt, whatever, and that's it. Some people want to be left alone. Some people want to have a little conversation. But I think that's, that's what's going on. You're loading the bar for them. You're telling them how many reps to do, and then you're telling them they did a good job. And that's it. You know, because if you, I, I, I believe if you plant a negative seed in their head, it, it's going gonna, it's gonna to stick more than a positive seed. Right, and then they start thinking about changing right. their technique instead of just right. lifting the weights. And, it, yep. and for me, like once they test, so we test 17 to 22 days out. Mm -hmm. During that taper, all I'm making sure that they're doing is lifting within the rules. I don't give them technical advice. We do none of that stuff. It's we squat to depth. We listen to the commands on the bench. You wait for a down command on the deadlift, and that is it. You're yep. literally preparing for it. That moment on the platform and whatever needs to be cleaned up, we'll do afterwards. Yep. I think the only difference is, um, you did mention there's a lot of stuff for, for beginner lifters. I think with beginner lifters, you have to remind them of commands. Um, but for people that have been doing meets, if you have to remind a, an experienced lifter about a command, then, you know, maybe it's not the sport for them. That's, that's what I think. 
All right, and another thing, like, where we did just come back from Raw Nationals, most of us had to fly down there. Um, there are other aspects of this sport that I think we tend to forget about when it comes to competing, especially in bigger meets. And one of these is traveling and how to actually travel appropriately. Like, flying on the plane can influence uh, your weight changes, sleeping in a bed that's different than your own. There's a reason why in pro sports it's harder to win on the road than it is at home. Um, and I think better being prepared for these moments it's, it's a big aspect of competing on a national stage. Uh, what advice do you have for that? That's a tough one for me because um, I think everybody's in the same boat there unless you happen to live where the national level meet is. Uh, but I do agree that people that travel better um, will adapt better. So I, I don't, I'm not crazy about the idea of flying out the day before the meet, uh, especially if you have to make weight because flying can affect your weight. Um, I think you mentioned that a second ago, but I have no short-term fucking memory because I've been hitting the head with everything from mop bringers to five pounds of frozen chicken. Um, but I think if you, if you have the luxury of flying out there a few days before the meet and acclimate yourself to the environment, let your body adjust back to the weight that it was before, I think that's a good idea. Um, a funny thing is, is I use a certain pillow at home, and if I sleep in a hotel and I don't bring my pillow, I get a rotten night's sleep. I use a Tempur-Pedic. Um, so I think if you use, like, you know, something... Tempur-Pedic, if you guys want to send me some free pillows for that plug, that'd be great. <laughs> but, I mean, seriously, though, it's, it sounds like a minor thing. Um, I know other people have said, I'm only going for the night, I'm not going to take my CPAP. Well, if you're a fat motherfucker like me and you need a CPAP to sleep and you don't take it, you're going to bomb at that meat because you're only going to get 40 minutes sleep. you got to think about things like that when you travel. And then food is another thing. If you have somebody that's making weight, um, they have to be, bring foods with them for the travel... Uh, that they can carry on the plane, um, and you got to make sure that you know there's nothing good to eat at an airport, you know. And another thing is, uh, whenever I travel, as soon as I get in, I immediately go to a you know a Walgreens or a supermarket, and I'll get water, things to hydrate with, um, and food. And I just bring that, and I usually buy like a disposable styrofoam cooler and bring that with me. Uh, and I think that's good for lifters. That's exactly what we did. Like Kerry actually flew with bags of grilled chicken. Uh, down to the meat, we hit up the Walgreens, we got the Pedialyte, we got the water. Uh, one thing that we didn't account for, like Nick came out on Monday lifting on Friday, maybe averaged about four hours of sleep because the bed was uncomfortable, had a hard time, mm -hmm. um, and then didn't have the best performance. Um, he didn't do that bad. Career, but he didn't do that bad. He didn't do that bad, he, he did pretty well. But it, it's a learning experience yep. that, you know, traveling definitely hindered performance a little bit. Yeah, well, I also think with, with some of your lifters, um, and I, one of the lifters that I uh, did nutrition for is they qualified for the meet, and in an ideal situation, you wouldn't have had them compete that close to the last meet. So, you know, looking at, like, Nick's performance, I think that he had, what was he, eight weeks between meets or 12 weeks or something? Uh, eight or nine weeks. Yeah. yeah, so that's, I mean, that's, you know, you want to look at the totality of everything. So the travel affected, but I also think that coming off the meet and not being able to recover and then go right into another a meet uh, didn't help. Yeah, but, no, I mean, that's, that's definitely, yeah. we didn't... Uh, take that meet in August, we didn't push the limits that much. Right. It was more conservative. It was like a heavy training day. But then the next block was, it was a lot of work. Yep. And like he ran into some issues with the, the great spotting incident of 2017. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and I think a lot of that stuff definitely. Uh, oh, yeah. And, you know, if, it, when you get the chance to go to nationals and you only have eight weeks to go, fuck it, go. Yeah. Go. You know? Um, so, you know, we had mentioned stuff to rehydrate, so body weight and cutting weight. We did see a few people miss weight. Uh, there were a few primetime lifters that missed weight. And if you've been lifting for a while and you miss weight, that is completely unacceptable. 
There's no, it's just a lack of discipline allowing yourself to get that much over a weight class. You should never be more than about two kilos over your competition weight class. And if you are cutting more than that, it's time to start eating and fill out. So, yeah, and no, I, I kind of agree with you there, but I kind of disagree. I think there's, especially coming from a multiply background, um, I would go off percentage of body weight. Um, so what I see is a lot of lifters cut two, one person we know in particular, I won't, you know, you know who it is tries to cut 12, 13, 14% of their body weight. And that's just too much. Um, so I would go off a percentage of body weight for a cut. Um, and then your recomp is going to have to be... What's the percent? I wouldn't go over 10. I mean, that's that's max. I'd like to see maybe 5. And that's more with a 24-hour weigh-in? Yeah. What about a 2-hour weigh-in? I, I really haven't had anybody with a 2-hour weigh-in. Um, you're the USAPL guy. Uh, most of the federations we do is you can get... The 24, yeah, and years ago it was always 24s. Um, but there's a ton of resources out there for making weight and recomping. Brian Carroll has a great ebook out on it. I'm sure it's still around. Um, you can look on his website at 1020 Life or something. It's, it's fantastic. That's basically it's, it's, what we do. It's, it's a guideline. It, it's, it's, I mean, there's no reason to refigure out the wheel. Uh, Brian did all the work, and he's a master at cutting weight. He'll drop. You know, he lifts in, in the lifted in the 08s and the 75s. You know, so if he's cutting 10%, he's dropping 30 pounds and putting 32 back on. And, you know, Dave Kirshen, you can read up on his stuff on Elite. He's also a master at cutting weight and then recomping and having successful meets. Um, but, you know, that's an extreme. They don't, these guys aren't cutting some of the weight that these younger guys are trying to cut. And when you do try to cut, fact of the traveling, if you cut too much, you know what's going to happen. You've cut weight for fights, right? Yep. Yeah, so you cramp, uh, your power up puts decreased if you don't recomp right. It's, it's, my opinion is, unless you're looking at you know national level or world level, just weigh what you weigh. Um, and, and I agree, be around your weight class. Lose two pounds, three pounds, whatever it is. Uh, but if it's a national level thing, you gotta, you know, you might have to step it up a little bit. Right, right. Um, but it's it's definitely a part of it. Like if you don't make weight, you don't compete at these at these meets. So, you know, you got to get that stuff on track. And if you're competing at a national level meet. You're obviously serious about being in the sport, so you know your nutrition becomes a big part of that. Um, another thing, so I kind of mentioned in the beginning of the story that I had at nationals, but warming up. So to start the week, <laughs> we on Tuesday Carrie's warming up, and the two people that were on the platform with us would just take her weights and the reps that she was doing and just repeated what we did. See it all the time. So they had literally zero plan going into this meet for warm ups. Now I'm. I literally, what my lifters do in that warm-up room is no different than what we do in training. So we tend to, I write out all their warm-ups in the program, so there'll be a hair less volume, but we tend to take the same jumps, the same weight, so it's just like another training day. Um, what advice do you have for warming up? So just before we go to warming up, one of the things that you didn't see because it was at your last meet, um, the, uh, was it the regionals? Regionals, USAPL yeah. regionals is, you know, you were doing your thing, you had your headphones on, I was like, Kevin, time to go, you do your set, and then you go do your thing again, which is exactly, I think, how it should be. You don't have to load the bar, you don't have to worry about what's on there, and you wrote your own warm-ups up, warm-ups up, which is fine, save me the trouble, right? But what we saw is virtually every person that was warming up on the same bar as you didn't even ask what was on the bar, they just took what was there. And they, it seemed they had random sets and reps. You know, one guy would do a single, then they'd do five... So we approach warm-ups just a little bit differently. Um, generally with the warm-ups, I'm going to write them out, uh, and, and we're not going to make jumps that are not, you know, they're going to be very similar to training. 
Um, but I tend to do less volume in the warm-up room than you, you have people do. Uh, we'll do maybe a set of five for the first set, you know, empty bar, set of five or ten. And then, you know, depending on how much they're lifting, if it's usually going to be 135, maybe a set of five. And then when we get up over 135, it's going to be triples for a set, maybe a two, depending on how much. And then after the second or third actual set with weight on the bar, it's all singles. I don't do anything more than singles. I want to conserve absolutely as much energy as humanly possible. Um, so that is where it's different than training day. Um, I'm a fan of singles, but, you know, there's more than one way to skin a cat. Oh, yeah, and, and that makes sense. And, like, what we do, so when we test, it's supposed to be a, basically a prep for the meet. So there will be about 16 lifts working up to a max single on those given test days. So we tend to, every training day, it's 50% for X amount of reps, 60%, 70%, and then we get into the 80-plus percent uh, working sets. So a meet day, it will be 55%. We'll do that for a set of four. 65% for three, 75% for a double or a single, depending on what lift we're on, and then 85% for a single, and then we take our opener. Now, some of these may change based upon um, our actual numbers that we're going to take on the platform, which is actually going to be our, our next topic. So we actually test 17 to 22 days out, so I know what each one of my lifters is capable of hitting under those circumstances because I've, I've seen them do it. And it helps me pick their meat selection. So I think a lot of people, what they ran into, and there were some bomb outs even on the primetime section, uh, they, they train and they have this theoretical one rep max that they think they can hit on the platform, and then they take a percentage of that and open with it, and it's just, it's too, it's too fucking heavy. So then they miss it, and then they bomb out. And it happened, I saw at least two primetime lifters. One of them, there was a, he had opened with a 450-pound bench, and that shit didn't even move off of his chest for any of the three attempts. Like, it was just, it was too heavy. Did he go up each attempt? No, he kept it at 415. You see that all the time. I mean, you know, I can see in the bigger meets, if you, if you miss an opener and, like, you need to hit a certain number to be competitive. However, if the weight's too heavy and you miss it that way, it's probably not the best move to go up in weight. Like, Dave, his second squat was high. It was questionable, but the weight moved really fast so to me. Up. So we jumped up, and, and he hit it, and that's fine. But if he had dumped the weight and didn't complete the lift, we're 100% repeating that same mm-hmm. weight again or passing on a third. Um, so what I tend to do with the openers is after they've tested, I know what their max is, and it'll be anywhere between 90 and 93% of that number will take for that first rep on the platform, uh, something that I know that they can hit under any given circumstance. And then I like to make the jumps the exact same way that we would during the test or during training. So the first one might be, you know, and these are approximations, of course, but around 5%. And then the next 5% will get us to that 100% number on the platform. Uh, sometimes the test goes well and, you know, they have a little bit more. They need to uh, hit a deadlift or a squat or a bench for a certain number to beat somebody or whatever. That's a different story, too. And... Um, I know you do it a little bit differently, so if you want to explain how you guys do it. So first and foremost, if anybody here is a lifter and you're actually listening to this and you're still listening to it, thanks a lot. But let me just get this out to you. Nobody fucking cares what you open at. The goal of your opener is to get you in the meat with a successful lift. I'm going to repeat that. Nobody fucking cares what you open at, okay? So one of the things that I've seen in my one or two years in this sport is people opening way too fucking heavy. My opinion on an opener is it's something that you should be able to do if somebody just stuck a pen in your fucking eyeball, 
stabbed you in the liver, and you got 105-degree fever. You should be able to make that opener. So that should tell you where you need to open at. So we're almost exactly the same, 17, 22 days, but we don't test in the manner that you test. Uh, we'll run an RPE system with most of my lifters unless they're multiply. Multiply, we use percentages, but we also i am starting to prescribe an RPE with the percentage with the, some of the stuff that we discussed, right? Um, but with the, with the raw lifters in the group that we have TPS method for powerlifting, um, we use a, a percentage guideline, but with an RPE. So, and that sounds really confusing when I'm saying it, but if you look at it on paper, it's pretty simple. Um, and Alyssa knows what I'm talking about. You've done that. Um, we'll test, uh, same method as Kevin, 17 to 22 days out. So 22 days out, we'll usually test deadlift. Uh, and then the following Monday, we'll do squat and then bench. Uh, and then, they, so their last heavy deadlift is going to be before their last heavy squat or bench. Um, and we'll generally do, depending on the experience of the lifter. So if it's a very experienced lifter, we'll do a single at an RPE 9 with a percentage, right? So um, if it's a, a raw lifter, a new lifter, not raw, but a new lifter, we're going to do a double, right, at a 9. So then what we go from there is if it's me and Russ or me and Russ and Candace, it's usually me and Russ, we'll look at their lifts and look at the number, and then we'll pick a weight based off that number, but it will almost never exceed that number. And if you look at it, it's usually going to be around 80%-ish, 85%-ish, right? Um, and then we'll generally make on the platform 7% jumps, right? So if you look, if they start them at 80 85%, right, um, they'll be at about 94% if you do sevens, right? But that's going to be 94% of their theoretical max. It's not going to, because hopefully they gain strength during the training program. Does that make sense? Yeah. So that third attempt should be a PR, right? Um, in very rare occasions, we'll make larger or smaller jumps, but seven's my guideline. It's going to be seven on to the second and seven to the third. Uh, with you, I took a five on your third because yeah. we wanted you to go um, nine for nine. Um, and I'll do that sometimes. Um, so I think... Seven is a, is a really, it's, it's, a, it's a number right in the middle. It's kind of like Switzerland. It's just right there. It's neutral. It's not too aggressive. It's not too soft. Um, if we have to go on the third and make a, a lower attempt, we'll go to five. But if it's not an important meet, you know, just the first meet, second meet, they're not qualify for anything, maybe we go one or two. Maybe just put the chips on, you know. But if it's, if it's a substantial meet, I've actually had to, excuse me, make a 10% jump one time with a lifter. You know who it is. Uh, and another time I had to make a 15% jump. And the funny thing is when they made the 15% jump, they needed that lift for an elite total because they missed their second and third squat. Uh, the way I had that meet set up is they, their, their second squat and their second bench would have been PRs for both with a subtotal PR, and they would have had to pull the first deadlift for their meet PR, uh, for their elite total, excuse me. Uh, and they missed, so we had to make up a ton of weight on the deadlift, so I had to raise the deadlift opener, raise the second, and the third, um, we had to go to like a, it was a 14 or 15 percent jump, and they pulled it off. But I would never do that unless something like that was at stake. Right. So. Right, and like, so for us, why? So we open a little bit heavier, but we take 90 percent during that peaking block multiple times for singles. So I, I see them, see them lifted. I know that they can take it. And where I do percentages, so everything is always five percent jumps. So I don't like putting something out there to them that they're not used to doing. So mm -hmm. if they're not used to taking big jumps like that in training, I don't like having to do that for the first time on the no, platform. No, I completely it just agree. It's just, throws it's a little bit, it's just a little bit of a different system. Yeah, and you guys um, don't don't take those, like you don't have um, 
five percent jumps in training, like because no. you use RP, so you'll take bigger jumps. So yep. You guys, they're kind of more used to that. Plates and quarters, dude. Um, <laughs> Fucking plates and quarters. And like even that on the third attempts, like half half the time we're not even taking a five percent jump. Sometimes it's just two or three percent. Obviously Fucking based, obviously based upon how fast the previous attempt looked, and you know what's going on that day, and what I actually feel that they can hit. Which brings me to the the next point. Sometimes on meet day, you just gotta take what's there. Like Danielle Bond had hit three forty five on a squat during her test. However, you know, with the the travel and being in a bigger meet, that third attempt squat I had for options three thirty six and three forty one, which I felt were really conservative for that third attempt, especially after a two week taper. Um, however, it just wasn't in the cards that day. She hit her second attempt, which I think was around 325, which was a meet PR, and I just increased it by two and a half kilos, and we went up to that 330, uh, and I figured we would just save it on the deadlift because I felt maybe on that day it's going to be a little bit better. She ended up hitting a, a total PR, and it worked out and stuff. That's but, a smart play, though, because, you know, knowing your lift is one thing, but if you don't tell them what's on the bar and just have them go out and do it, having to make that third attempt, I think, is a smart play because... A lot of people, when they miss, like if I miss, I'm just going to walk it off. You know what I mean? It's just fucking walk it. Fuck it, you miss, go out and get the next one, right? Like a goalie, stop the next puck. Don't be um, Roberto Longo and talk to the fucking post and smash a stick, right? But some people, they get that miss in their head. And, it, and, you know, in the gym, if they miss a weight through a technical error, it'll ruin the whole workout. But at a meet, so that making that super small jump, two and a half kilos, that's the way to do it, you know? Just give them the confidence. Yeah, and it was it was already a PR. Nothing was at stake. Uh, I didn't feel there was anything to gain from going up another two and a half kilos, but there was a lot of momentum that could be lost. And like you got to look at at the total meet. You know, it's it's your strength levels on one given day. It's it's not anything more than that. It's what you're capable of hitting on that given day. And everybody has these numbers and they chase numbers and they they have all these things in their heads of what they want to accomplish on that day. But sometimes it just doesn't happen. Go nine for nine, don't miss lifts, gain momentum, fix what needs to be fixed in the next training block, and get the bigger numbers as you move forward. Like, this is a, this is a sport that a lot of people don't get great at right away. You like, shouldn't. if you look at the tops, even in the USAPL, L.S. McLean's 39, Dave Ricks is 57, Kimberly Wofford's 38, Marissa Ind is over 40, Jennifer Thompson just benched 314 at 44 years old. Uh, Jennifer Milligan's over 40. The ones who are dominating their weight classes are older, and it seems like most of the bigger lifts of a lifter's career happens in the late 30s to early 40s. So you got to take that time in the beginning to build a solid foundation, uh, gain momentum by doing well in meets. Don't get used to missing lifts. And if you train your squat high in competition, I mean high in uh, training, it's going to be high in competition. It's what happens. And there were a lot of people complaining that, on Instagram after nationals that my squat got red lighted for depth, but it wasn't high. I'm going to tell you right now, if two judges gave you red lights, no matter what you say or how many angles you look at your video, it's fucking high. They're the only ones that matter. And train and leave no doubt, and it won't be a problem. You won't run into those situations in training. So you got to view your training as practice for those competitions. And that's why there are local meets, that's why there are regional meets, and that's why there are national meets. Get those kinks out in those local meets. Get used to competing so that when you go on the bigger stage, you're not making mistakes that you shouldn't be making. But I think I agree with you. Um, if you read the programs we write, it'll say one inch below meat depth. 
That's, that's how I write it, one inch below meat depth. Uh, it's got to be that way, but judging, which could probably be the topic of another podcast, I've judged, you know, what, a million powerlifting meats. And I've seen some really good judging. I've seen some, let's say, less than optimal judging. And I've seen some extremely inconsistent judging within the same meat from the same judges. So one of the things that you need to do specifically with depth and I think with the bench, because the deadlift is the fucking deadlift. You got it or you didn't. I mean, the bar went up and didn't go down. Oh, that's it, right? Um, but with the bench and, and the squat, it's you cannot, then you just said this, but I'm just kind of reiterating, you can't leave any room for interpretation, okay? Because if you're at a local meet, a lot of times at local meets, you're going to have, especially dependent on the federation, you're going to have a less experienced judge. And a less experienced judge is going to be less consistent and a lot of times they're going to make a shitty call. And that's not their fault. It's because they have a lack of experience, and that's where you learn is at local meets. So if you're going to do meets, you, gotta, you can't leave any room for interpretation. You have to make sure you know that you buried it. You know that your ass was on the bench. It's, it's just those local meets, I think, this is going to sound insane, but they need to be even tighter than a national-level meet because at a national-level meet, you, you have the expectation that you're going to have judges that are highly experienced and highly consistent where you don't have that expectation at a local meet. That makes sense? Yeah, one, 100%. Um, I've seen that happen a lot of times, too, with those more inexperienced judges. You'll see them be really nitpicky about one thing that they're not so nitpicky at, at bigger meets. You'll also see, oh, my friend is up. Oh, yeah. I mean, or you'll see the judge sitting there, I know there's no video on this, but I'm pretending that I'm texting right now. You'll see the judge at a local meet with their head in their phone, not watching the lifter. And that's bullshit. Um, to me, that judge should be taken off the platform, but I've seen it a million times. I've actually been on the platform for my third deadlift attempt at a national level meet, and the judge had his head in his phone. Alyssa, what are you doing over there, Alyssa? Fuck it, Alyssa. Alyssa's supposed to be doing the internet stuff, and she's over there playing the tuba. Um, you know, so it's happened to me. I've had a judge literally on his phone texting while I'm standing there about to pull my third deadlift. Um, so anyway, you, you got to just leave no room for interpretation. That's all. Yeah, and, like, you know, you got to play to the judges, too. So Dave, we actually dropped his third attempt to bench press because the head judge was giving a long press command, and, like, there's no way he's getting the heavier weights with that press command. But the press command was consistent for everybody. So it is what it is on that given day. So make the right call. Don't chase numbers. When you're training in the gym, train within the rules of the sport because no matter how good your technique or whatever else you're doing or how much weight is on the bar, it doesn't fucking matter if the hip crease is not below the top of the knee. doesn't matter if you're not pausing it on the bench and if you're not locking out your deadlift or you're, you know, you're not following the rules of competition your RPE, pineapple, PRs in the gym don't fucking matter. And at the end of the day, I don't what give a... What the fuck does that mean? I don't Didn't even know. did we talk about this before? We did. That's why what I brought it up. What the fuck does that mean? We should just make it a thing. It's a thing. <laughs> but, you know, everybody gets, gets so amped up because of the social media about hitting these PRs in the gym. This sport isn't about hitting your best lifts in the gym. It's about putting forth your best lifts during the biggest competitions of every training year. So if your local meets are where you're hitting all your PRs and the bigger meets is 
are the times where you're not doing as well, then there's something wrong with your training. If you're hurt going into the bigger meets, there's something wrong with your training. If you're not hitting your best numbers at those big meets, there is something wrong with your training, so, and you need to fix it up. We just saw this exact thing recently. Um, there was a lifter that's pretty strong, uh, and she hit a really big squat. Um, it's on social media, and it's not the fault of the lifter, but the squat was a solid six inches high. But three judges on the platform saw it as a good lift, and it was not a good lift. Um, people are putting out that, you know, this person's a badass and wicked strong and blah, 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 blah. It's not the lift's fault, but if that was me, I wouldn't have put that, that lift up. I wouldn't have been saying, look at what I just did, because I know that it wasn't true. And that's what I say about the inexperienced level of judging at local meets. When this person bases their training cycle off of that lift, if that's how they train, when they get to XPCs or the Arnold or whatever the big you know, thing is for that federation, what I know what federation is, but it doesn't matter. Um, whenever they get to where they're going to go and they get to a, a, a much higher level of judging, they're going to bomb. They're going to bomb in the squat because if you base your training cycle off of what you see, what the judges saw is a good lift and everybody on the planet said that's six inches high and your training partners will be like, nah, that was good. You fucking buried that. Then your training partners are assholes. Your coach is a fucking asshole for telling you you got that. If that was my lifter, I'd tell them, you just got a gift. That was six inches high, period. That's, that's me. You know, I'm not blowing smoke up their ass because when you get to that higher level, you're doomed. Yeah, I actually saw there was a couple squats. They got red lighted for depth. Um, a couple of them went up. A couple of them had repeated the same weight, but when they came back and they actually tried to make that adjustment, they dumped it. They just they couldn't stand up with the weight, and you could tell they went down slower. They had to change things because they don't, they don't train that way. It's so now they're trying to make... Yeah, exactly. They're trying to, you know, make the adjustment on the platform. So you, you, you don't make your third, we talked about this, but you don't make your third attempt or your first attempt jump off a theoretical lift. You make it off an actual lift. You do it slightly different than I do, but in the end, both ways work out, right? So we don't, like I said, we don't make it off their prior max. Our lifters compete two, maybe three times a year. So if they hit, let's just say a 200-pound squat at a meet, right? And then they go through six months of training, their fucking squat better be higher than 200. So we're not going to use that 100% as 200. We don't know what the 100% is. We're going to make that, you know what I mean? Right. But we're basing it off an actual lift that, that we feel that they did under meat circumstances in the gym. You know? So you can't judge your, your attempts off of bullshit. So those lifters missing those lifts, that's their coach's fault. And what's up with these coaches? Anyway, <laughs> that's a different story. I mean, literally in the peaking block, because I want to open at 90%. Uh, with my lifters, so we actually will hit 90% for two singles on the squat on a given day or three singles on the bench or something like that so that I can actually see that under fatigued circumstances, how does this look? And if it looks like a grind, well, maybe I need to reassess. Or if it looks really easy, well, we'll see how they test and maybe a few more pounds on this, we're good to go and we're not going to miss an opener and bomb out of a meet. Um, we could talk about this this forever because there's, there's a lot of issues with this. There's a lot of good advice out there. I've got a million stories. But and we're hitting that half-hour point. Nobody's listening anymore. so we'll, I uh, listened to the whole fucking thing last time. Yeah, yeah me too. Yeah, well, there, those were the two listens we got. <laughs> uh, so we'll cut it there. Uh, hopefully we'll get another one up next week. We'll try to get all the athletes that competed from here on Nationals uh, talk about their – because most of them have been with me for a year, so we'll talk about their year-long training cycle. Um, 
going through locals, regionals, and the national level meet and how that went and stuff. All right, signing up. Suck it. <laughs>